Welcome to Strictly Anime, a podcast for anime reviews and discussions by casuals for casuals. I'm Courtney. And I am Carl. And this is episode 11. Today we're reviewing The Devil is a Part-Timer. And as always, there will be spoilers throughout the episode, so you have been warned. And this series is probably going to be a one-timer. I hope not. I hope not. We'll talk about that later, because I, I really hope not. But this show was hilarious it's or is hilarious i gotta keep i gotta keep faith here it's hilarious it's simple it's just your generic not even really generic i said that's not a good word but it's it's just a a somewhat basic reverse isekai plot um but just done so well and it's so enjoyable to watch and i just i loved everything about this the show and i didn't think i would i thought it would just be yet another isekai or reverse isekai um and that i would just walk away from it being like ah that was pretty good but no i walked away from it like please please put out more of this show i know it's been several years but please please give us more yeah and for me and probably for you this was a nice change of pace from you know the heavy not not that it was like super heavy but like um the depth of trigon and with that story this one like you said it's it's a little more basic in a sense, um, but it's a thoroughly hilarious and enjoyable ride throughout. Um, and it's like a great, I guess, fish out of water comedy. Because like you said, it's a reverse isekai. Although I was reading and I've been hearing that this series came out right around the time that like isekais were just starting to become popular. Yeah, which makes you wonder if had if it had come out now in the middle of this isekai craze, this wave, um, how it would be perceived. Like, would it just have been covered up by all the other isekai that's coming out with each seasonal set of, of anime? Um, or would it still have held its own? Because again, like, it is it is a simple show. And I think that's the beauty of the show. Is like, it doesn't try too hard. It doesn't need to try too hard. Um, it just is so organically great. Um, but would that have held up against what we've got right now, like Shield Hero and Konosuba and, and whatnot? Um, I like to think it would. I think mm. it would start off as like that niche anime, but then would would quickly snowball into something big, just because even with this current wave that we're going through and all the isekai that we've we've seen or heard of, um, it still seems to stand on its own. Just the the plot and their take on it, and it just yeah everything about it, and the fact that it's McRonald's, you know, mm. you just, you can't get any better than that. Yeah, and so they really save themselves by just working around like American copyrights and like Jojo just blatantly uses it um, throughout the story. But yeah, I think it, it, if this were to come out today, um, it would definitely break up a lot of the typical things that you see um, in is- Isekai. And I, what I kind of like about Devil's Part-Timer too is like it doesn't just, it kind of like pokes fun at itself and at like the genre as a whole. And even just like it kind of, flips a lot of anime cliches on it on their head yeah right um and again i hate using this phrase but it does subvert expectations i should give like a running counter of how many times i say that (laughs) but um yeah it's just it's a refreshing take on what you would think to be a typical like anime story where it comes to like like a fantasy plot um but again this time around it's it's the fantasy world entering our world and that just kind of reminded me of, I kept thinking of that, there's that Tyra Banks, like, movie, I don't know if it was, like, a Disney Channel movie, 
You know the one where she's like a bar, like almost like a Barbie doll. And oh she- yeah, and she comes to life or whatever, and she's like, "Where, where the hell am I?" Yeah, I, I, I just kept thinking about that, especially in the pilot episode, which that pilot was probably one of the funniest pilots I've ever seen in an yeah. anime. Um, yeah. Well, let's let's talk about the episodes and go through the synop- synopses. Is that the word? Synopses mm-hmm. of of uh, what is it? Thirteen episodes. Yeah, thirteen. Let's do that, and then I I think there are a couple episodes we want to dive into. Um, so we'll 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 do that because yeah, there's some specific things I think I want to mention as well. Okay. And yeah, I have a recap here that I kind of pulled from Wiki and a synopsis of each episode. I realized I wrote too much for a lot of these episode recaps, so next time around I'll try to cut that down. Um, but to start off overall, The Devil is a Part-Timer is a 2013 anime adaptation of a light novel series written by Satoshi Wagahara and directed by Naoto Hosoda. The story revolves around a demon king named Sadao Mao seeking to conquer the world of Ente Isla, but when confronted by the hero Amelia, he and his demon general Alciel are forced to retreat through a gate that transports him to modern-day Tokyo, Japan. With their magic slowly depleting in an unfamiliar world, Satan gains part-time employment as a fast-food restaurant called McRonald and becomes unlikely allies with Amelia, who followed them through the gate in order to find, in order to survive and find a way to return to Ante Isla. Episode 1, titled The Devil Arrives in Sasazuka, in another dimension where magic exists, the Dark Lord Satan wages a campaign with his four generals, Adramelic, Lucifer, Alciel, and Malkoda, to conquer the continent of Ente Isla. However, a brave hero successfully leads the human armies against the dark forces, killing Adramelic and Malakota in the process. Vowing to return one day to conquer Ente Isla once and for all, Satan and LCL retreat through a portal that ends up in modern-day Sasazuka, Japan. Realizing that their powers no longer exist in this dimension, they learn to adapt to their new environment until they can regain enough power to return to Ente Isla. Satan, whose new alias is Sadao, takes up a part-time job at McRonald's, Alciel, new alias Ashia, becomes best housewife, and the hero Amelia, aka Emmy, who followed them through the grate, confronts Sadao in order to take him down. So let's talk about this episode really quick. Or maybe we'll break it up a little bit, because I, I think as you're walking through these, that'll spark some some thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, pilot episode, fantastic. And it took such a weird turn. Like, it started off like a very typical, intense, um, medieval type of, of dramatic anime. Mm-hmm. And then they get propelled into modern day Japan. And it just goes from this super serious, like beautifully drawn a- or animated anime into this like wonderful reverse isekai slash slice of life um, comedy and it was it was a, a turn out of left field like from the moment they landed in japan it's like their personalities just completely changed um along with the fact that the way they look changed because they, they had to match their surroundings and it was just like wait what and i was like <laughs> okay it really set the tone i think for the rest of the show yeah and one thing that i noticed is like in the beginning when you see the scenes in ante isla um, you know, like you said, it's very dramatic and the music's just very, like it's swelling with all, all the orchestration. And then you get to modern day Japan and that music kind of just cuts out. I remember there's, there's a specific scene, I think where Ashia or as LCL is trying to summon magic and like the music wells up and then he like, he sticks his fist in the air and then the music just cuts right there. <laughs> and then you like, the camera zooms out and you just see 
I like how the I think it was the police officers who called them like, oh, these are just cosplayers. Yeah, um, <laughs> of all <laughs> things. <laughs> yeah, so like it's kind of like, um, what's the word? Not like breaking the fourth wall, but just poking fun at itself um, to see these characters like outside of their typical elements. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just that entire sequence of them landing in Tokyo and then like discussing amongst each other at the police station, like what's going on. Or they they, <laughs> they analyze the katsudon, which they call katsudun, yeah. so intensely. <laughs> and the voice acting is great, by the way. Mm-hmm. Like the way that they 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 shift from like when they're saying katsudun and like the way they're just saying it so like as if it's so foreign, but really that's like native language for the voice actors. They did a really good job with that. Yeah, or even since like they're speaking a different language in Ante Isla. Um, like the voice actors are obviously trying to make it sound like they're pretty fluent in whatever that language is, um, but then for them I, to suddenly shift to like Japanese, like they have to play it off like these characters don't know Japanese, and there's the scene where um, Sadao is trying to rent an apartment at like the real estate office, right? Or <laughs> and like it was such a funny scene because he's speaking very broken Japanese. And then Asiel freaks out and says, oh, my God, you did that so well. And then uh, I was just trying to calm him down. And it's just the language almost is like a harsh hybrid of like German Japanese. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, again, just seeing that kind of fish out of water situation was like so funny. Um, and, and that real estate team was really good, by the way. Like I that that was probably my favorite part of that episode because of the way like they're just, like, freaking out, and, like, I can just imagine being, like, the, the person across the table looking at them, like, what the hell is this going on? What are they saying? They just did a great job. And also, shout out to Josuke's voice actor, mm-hmm. whose name I don't know, I apologize, but I picked up on that pretty quickly when I was hearing LCL speak. I was like, that's Josuke from JoJo. That's pretty cool. He did a great job. Yeah. Um, and, it, yeah, it's just strange that, like, we're starting to recognize all of these voice actors' yeah. <laughs> um, voices in these different series. Um, so continuing on episode two, the hero stays at the devil's castle for work reasons. Emmy and Sadao are brought to a police station where they were presumed to be having a lovers, lovers quarrel, much to Emmy's disgust. They part ways and Emmy starts t- stalking the two demons, shocked that they have reverted to such a plain lifestyle, though Sadao assures her that he is still hell bent on taking back onto Isla. The two are almost no scoped by a sniper and Emmy begrudgingly asks to stay at Sadao's bachelor pad to seek shelter from their common enemy. Sadao's busty co-worker, Chiho the Large-Breasted, texts him about the mysterious earthquakes that have recently plagued the area. In episode 3, the devil goes on a date with his junior in Shinjuku. During one of her tech support shifts, Emi receives a threatening call who says that eliminating her and Sadao would be for the benefit of all of Ente Isla. Sadao goes on a date with Chiho the Large-Breasted while Emi and Ashia secretly monitor from a distance. Chiho tells him about how she has been hearing strange voices, and Sadao realizes that these, along with the recent earthquakes, are connected in some way to Ente Isla. Emi butts in, a slew of angry and romantic outbursts ensues, and an earthquake, earthquake ruptures to break up the confusion. Emi sees Sadao gain his demonic form and wonders why he is choosing to help them out of the rubble. In episode 4, the hero experiences human warmth. Sadao, full calling, uses his magic to clear the debris and rescue all trapped in the rubble. Emi has a flashback of her childhood where she was chosen to wield the better half-sword and trained to fight the demon army due to her unique human angel bloodline and vows vengeance on Satan and his demons upon learning that they attacked her village and killed her father. 
Back in the present, Sadao learns that Chiho, the large busted, was able to hear voices because he put a spell on her father, Inspector Sasaki, back when he entered Earth's dimension. The next day, he and Emi fight over their allegiances at the Devil's Castle. Chiho barges in and thinks it's a lover's quarrel, and Chiho runs off, big breasted and brokenhearted. Sadao's creepy landlord comes out of nowhere to declare that she maybe quite possibly probably knows what's going on. Chiho encounters an emo kid who suddenly sprouts black wings, and Sadao acknowledges that it is the demon general Lucifer. So, a quick couple things about this episode. Um, I I liked that they explored Emmy's backstory a little bit more because it gave her more depth than just being the hero for the sake of having a, a hero, having that um, protagonist to his antagonist. Like, I don't even know what you would consider. Like a foil. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I, I enjoyed that, but I, I would have liked to see more of that in the show. I know it's only 13 episodes and the focus is more so on like the slice of life aspects of this reverse isekai. Um, and just like Sadao and Elsiel and all of them overcoming these like unique situations. But this is what I'm really hoping for with, you know, a possible season two is it'd be great to explore her backstory more. Cause that is a, a big point of conflict, right? Like mm-hmm. he destroyed everything for her or not for her, um, in her life and she's super conflicted because she needs she knows what she's supposed to do but now she has to rely on him and is somewhat starting to trust him so i i want that i would love to see more of that I, I even though it's a it's a comedy i love the i think they do a good job of of focusing on the comedy while still having some underlying serious elements to drive the story forward mm-hmm. and i hope we get to see more of that again if we get a season 2 which i hope we do yeah and that in in that regards this kind of falls into the hole of Trigun where you get like snippets and pieces of everyone's backstories. But because this was limited to one season, um, you're left kind of wanting more. And like you said, with Emmy's story, you get a good chunk of like her childhood and who she is and like why she's so like hell bent on defeating Satan. Hell bent. Is that a pun? (laughs) (laughs) I guess. Um, well, like you said, like I don't this. I don't think this series really took off in Japan, which is why there's still not any word of a season two, even what seven years later. Yeah, but maybe with this isekai wave, they'll be like, now's a good time to to bring it back because I don't know. There's a lot of us here in the states that would really love to see that. Mm-hmm. By the way, guys, if you hear some dogs barking very faintly in the background, um, there are some dogs in in the. Uh, in the area outside that are barking and we can hear them pretty clearly from where we're at, but I don't know if you can hear them on here, but I just wanted to throw that out there. Thanks for dealing with, or thanks for bearing with us on that. <laughs> yeah. Um, one more thing with this episode. And I think this is one of the th- things that I re- didn't really like about the show is that obviously they, it, it, they established in the beginning that Ante Isla has its own language. And I don't know if, it was supposed to be based off of any particular one. Um, I don't know if it was inspired by because there's like a there's an actual like angelic language. It's, it doesn't. It's not like Latin or anything, but people have heard it in dreams or whatever, and they say it's the language of angels. And I don't know if that's what it's based off of. But in this episode, when they go back to Emmy's childhood, they're speaking Japanese. Yeah. I think just that maybe have may have just been a, a point of laziness for the show, or maybe mm-hmm. just to ensure that um, that the the Japanese audience would be more invested in the show. Like maybe they just decided to do that, um, but 
I don't know. Yeah, it was kind of weird to to have one one moment they'd speak the native language of, of Ente Island. Was it Ente Isla? Ente Isla. Um, and then another moment they're just speaking Japanese. Like, I was trying to come up with a story reason for that, because I figured that, you know, since Emmy was raised by a villager father, like, assuming that they're from the peasant class, that whatever language they were speaking in the beginning of the series was more of, like, a language of nobility. Because um, you hear, like, the demons speak it, and then um, the members of the church also speak this language. But... Yeah, there are other instances where even they just start speaking Japanese out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just sounds like it was done purely for a convenient reason so that these voice actors wouldn't have to constantly speak this other language. Um, I feel like it, if they had invested more, it could have taken off kind of like the was it the, the, the Rocky language that they speak in Game of Thrones, which was its own full-blown language. Yeah. Um, but Or even like Klingon in Star Trek. But, yeah, that was, like, the only real, like, one of the only faults I had with the show is just that inconsistency with, with the language. Um, but continuing on, episode 5, the devil and the hero save Sasazuka. It is revealed that Lucifer teamed up with Emmy's former comrade, Olba Meyer, a.k.a. Discount Pixis, who promised to return Lucifer to heaven in exchange for his help with a coup d'etat. Sadao and Emmy face off against Lucifer, who seemingly kills Sadao with a magic bullet, and destroys an overhead bridge. However, Sadao survives in his Satan full-calling form after revealing that the negative emotions of the onlookers is what rejuvenates the demon being's magical abilities. He saves Emmy and Chiho, who is now aware of all this angels and demons fuckery, takes down Lucifer and Discount Pixis, and the group confronted by another pair of Emmy's former comrades, Emeralda and Albertio, who inform them of the corrupted church in Ante Isla. Satan full-calling returns the city back to normal and tries to erase Chiho the large-breasted's memory, who berates him for the thought of trying to do so. So episode 5, I'd say, is my favorite episode of this this show. Um, For a couple of reasons. One, I love that that we actually get to see, like, Sadao's true nature and and really his abilities. Because in the show, he's, he's kind of built up to be this, like, incompetent... Not like weak, but just like dumb um, type of person in in Japan. But he mm-hmm. he is a, a ruler of of demons in in Ente Isla. So here we get a, a really strong glimpse into that. And like you don't, it's a good reminder. Like don't fuck with him. He's he's the devil. Like you, mm-hmm. you, you don't do that. Um, so I, I just thought it was great, and it, it kind of um, broke his character up a little bit more, and, and gave him a lot of. It, it, they made him more of a dynamic character. Like he has multiple sides to him. Yeah, he may be happy-go-lucky being here in Japan, working at McDonald's, but at the end of the day, he is who he is, and and um, you know this is this is the other side of him. And I think it also brings more validation to. Um, it brings more validation to Amelia's end goal of defeating the devil not only because you know he he caused you know her father to to be killed but because he is a a bad person at the end of the day or at least back on ente isla but at the same time when you say that you know you find out in this episode like that he is still who he truly is as the devil his motive for saving the city um it kind of makes you think like because you have these preconceived notions of evil and and the devil and demons, like, just wanting to spread, like, negativity and, and bad things around the world. 
Yeah, but, that's a good point. Like, yeah, it does. It shows you that, but then it immediately flips back and says, "Well, actually, he's a he's a really decent guy." Yeah. Um. Or which, like, you just you start to question, like, why? What are his motives for this? Yeah, that was my question. The whole series is like, what happened on Ente Isla? Like, I don't get the. Like, obviously, mm-hmm. we have not gotten any of the backstory on that, which is again why I'm hoping for season two because I'd like to flush that out a little bit more and, and understand like what the heck happened here, like. Why why is this such a big deal for Amelia and, and why is it so difficult for for her and Susano and all of them to accept that like maybe he can live here and like what'll happen if he chooses to live here, like who's still back on Entes? Like there's so many questions around that that I would love to see resolved. Yeah. And it's almost kinda like what happened in Trigun is like is the devil who he really is. Yeah. Um, much like like do we really know who Vash the Stampede is? Yeah, I um, expect that if, if at some point in the story they'll actually show that maybe it was all a big misunderstanding and, like, the devil thought he was doing the right thing, but actually it wasn't. It's just like, yeah, it's, it'll. I assume it'll be a very interesting um, plot that gets laid out. But I also really like this episode because of the humor involved. It is so... Again, the whole show mm. is fucking hilarious, but something about this episode in particular is just so funny, especially when... Um, when Amelia catches Chiho and is like holding her in her arms, and like she just busted her knee and all that stuff, and she starts having that you know typical inner monologue, so we can kind of get an understanding, you know, what her character is all about and, and how she processes things. And in the background, faintly, you hear <laughs> Sadal like calling her name, like Emmy, hey, hey, <laughs> hey Emmy, oi, Emmy. Like it was just like, and then he starts to say it like loud, and I was like Emmy, and he's just like, oh wait, what? <laughs> it was so good. It's. It's that kind of humor that is very, very relatable and very familiar, but often does not get included in, in entertainment. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sure you can pick out other instances where someone had a, you know, someone put a similar situation in a show or a movie, but it's just like, it's, again, it's, it's so relatable and it's just so funny and like, it's clever and you don't see it enough that I really appreciated that part. And uh, that's an example of what I said at the beginning is like, it takes all of these anime cliches and it, it acknowledges them and it just kind of pokes fun at them um so that that particular instance was was just fantastic yeah because like in real life wouldn't you wonder the same thing there's just someone sitting there and there's stuff going on and they're probably like talking to themselves like in their head and just staring into the distance right. um so just it, trying to put things in a almost almost realistic perspective because obviously there's a lot of fantasy stuff going on. Yeah, um, and it, it puts the hero less on this pedestal, right? Like we always assume the hero is going to be perfect, this perfect person mm-hmm. or whatever. But it's like he indirectly levels the playing field between the two of them by like calling her out on her BS or like not being afraid to put her in an awkward situation or whatever. Um, it just shows that even the hero is not perfect. But one thing I didn't like, so that's the last thing I'll say about this episode. One thing I didn't like is, um, is how Emmy just like says, like right after that moment, I think too, she says to Chiho, like somehow I, I just, I, I just want you to know about us. And I thought it was really lazy writing. Like I, I, I could have accepted any other reason for mm-hmm. them to not want to erase Chiho's memory other than somehow, or for some reason, I just, I want you to know about us. Like, why not just say, you know, you know what, like you've been through so much of this already, like, you deserve to know, or whatever. Just any anything else would have been more acceptable than that. I, I kind of rolled my eyes at that part. I was like, okay, someone clearly clearly didn't want to write out that part of the, the story, so they just mm. threw that in there. Yeah, but I think, other than that, this was, like, almost a, a good... Um, I felt like this was almost, like, the start of the rest of the series. Yeah, um, definitely. It was, yeah, it was just a very action-packed episode, and 
like all hell breaks loose and obviously Chio finds out about this whole other universe um, and the ride just keeps going up from there so continuing on episode 6 the devil climbs the stairway to school back on Ente Isla a mysterious female figure reports to the church's HQ and they discuss what to do with the Ente Islands who are still surviving on earth Lucifer now known as Urushihara moves in with Sadao and Ashia becoming the resident Hikikomori after he is wanted for his string of muggings he tells the gang of some paranormal activity at Chiho's school, and they go out to investigate. But it turns out he just wanted them to retrieve a PS Vita that he left at his former base of operations. The next day, a new tenant moves into Sadao's apartment building, and Sadao rescues her from falling down the stairs as she passes out in cliche fashion. And the one thing I liked about this episode is that, you know, Urushihara just makes this whole, makes this, makes this big thing about the, the school being haunted and this paranormal activity. Um, and just really plays up the importance of the school when in actuality they t- it was like a, a rescue mission for his game console. Yeah. Like just, uh, <laughs> so far, again, breaking that cliche of, you know, is this what they're looking for? Is this going to be like a huge MacGyver? Oh, um, but it again, it's just for a really insignificant thing. Not that this was a throwaway episode, but I just thought it was hilarious. It kind of like, almost like that SpongeBob episode where Mr. Krabs wants them to paint inside of his house and then they try to figure out like how to get paint off of the thing yeah and then it just turns out to be like a you just have to use your saliva it kind of this episode i think flips things upside down even further because this one for me really solidified that like in this situation in sadao's eyes emmy's almost the antagonist right like she Mm. he just wants to do whatever he wants to do and just be a great employee at mcdonald's and she's getting in the way (laughs) of like everything so i just i felt like and like he obviously is not excited to see her when she shows up and she's the one stalking him and all that it's just yeah it it, uh it flips things over yet again i think that's like a common theme with the show it like flips flips things one way and then flips it another way Mm -hmm. and it's always the stand users attracting other stand users yeah (laughs) Episode 7, The Devil's Budget, is saved by neighborliness. The new tenant introduces herself as Suzuno Kamazuki and gives some udon to the demon Duong gang. Emmy gets a shipment of magical energy drinks from Emeralda and starts socking Suzuno. Suzuno believes that she and Sadao are in a relationship, which Emmy vehemently denies, vehemently denies, and she warns Suzuno about Sadao. Meanwhile, Sadao is promoted to shift supervisor and Chiho the Large Breasted becomes jealous of the box lunch that Suzuno gives him. Emeralda further warns Emmy that the church is currently looking for the missing discount Pixis and that they may be looking for her as well. Emmy is then attacked by a masked man wielding a large scythe. He nullifies the holy sword that Emmy had conjured from her energy drink magic, proving that energy drinks, even if magical, are indeed bad for you. In episode 8, the hero enters the fray. Suzuno still continues to help the demon Duong gang with their chores. Chiyo confesses that she still has feelings for Sadao despite him being fucking evil incarnate. Suzuno overhears this, Chiho runs away in embarrassment, and Suzuno subtly asks Sadao about how it feels to be loved by people. Suzuno later reveals herself to Emmy as the Ante Eastland Crestia Bell, and of her mission to find the missing Discount Pixis. She asks Emmy to return to Ante Isla to tell the church the truth about Discount Pixis' treason, but Emmy is conflicted about where her loyalties lie, and warns Suzuno against revealing herself to the demon Duong gang. Meanwhile, Sadao has to face off against his biggest earthly enemy yet, the opening of a Kentucky Fried Chicken across the street from McRonald, managed by Mitsuki Sarue, a.k.a. Discount James from Team Rocket. Yeah. 
Sadao sends Achia to spy on the restaurant while Emmy Suzuno and Emmy's co-worker Rika decide to visit McRonald after Rika suspects a love triangle between the two and Sadao. So, with this episode, this really solidified for me how much I love this anti-harem that they're setting up. Because um, it, it was set up in the beginning, especially with Suzuno's introduction to be, like, another harem. But they, again, flipped things up, upside down and said, actually, no, Suzuno does not care about Sadao in any fashion like that. Um, Chiho obviously has a major crush on him, but em- Amelia, like, they're try- they're pushing to ship them, but she's adamantly and constantly saying, no, I'm not interested in him. So you got one person who's completely uninterested and they're not even a potential. Then you got another person who's, like, head over heels for this person and, like, that's her life goal is to be with him. And then a third person, which, um, you know, she doesn't have feelings yet, perhaps, uh, but people push them together and, and she's always resisting. Like, that's like, f- for me anyway, the big three tropes in harems. And mm-hmm. they just kind of flipped it upside down and said, you thought it was going to be a harem, but it's not. We're going to poke fun at all the harem types, but it's not. Um, so it's just very interesting that, that this episode established that Susano does not have feelings for Sadao and this is not going to be your traditional harem. And I forget, like, what are the categories like Sundere... Sundere, uh, kun, kudere, yandere. And um, those are all associated with one of each of these characters, right? Kinda, yeah. yeah. Like, Emilia is definitely a tsundere, um, for sure. I don't remember which one Suzuno, I think a kudere, maybe, that, that Suzuno would be associated with. Yeah, they're basically each a, a different um, dere dere type. So I think that. Which is basically like a different female type in. Yeah, like a character type, like a personality type, which you could extend that to, to male characters as well, because mm-hmm. I, I, I've, I've mentioned before that I'm very much a, a male Tsundere fan. Um, but what I also like about this, too, that, that further pushes this anti-harem type thing is that Emmy actively tries to set up Suzuno and not, well, maybe not set them up, but like support Chiho and uh, assumingly Suzuno when she thought that she, he, she had feelings for him. Um, support their their love interest with with Sadao, which is I think at least from the, the shows that I've watched in anime a very unique concept to know like people are pushing for Amelia to be with Sadao, but at the end of the day she's actually trying to set other people up with him because she don't want to be with the fucking devil. Yeah, <laughs> why would you want to be with the leader of the underworld? Um, and obviously one thing about this episode that just completely caught me off guard was just. Kentucky Fried Chicken. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like it's blatantly obvious who they're trying to parody in in that name, but it's just so funny how they they try to work around these these copyrights and just change one letter in it, and they're fine. Um, but you know, maybe at a convention they can just open a temporary Kentucky Fried Chicken and just sell fried chicken from there. <laughs> I don't know. In episode 9, the hero experiences a fray. Emmy, Suzuno, and Rika head to the Hatagaya district where the Tanabata, Tanabata festival is in full swing. They visit SFC first and run into Ashia, who clears up Rika's misunderstanding of the whole situation with Emmy and Sadao by conjuring up a hilarious metaphor of construction company competition. Sadao struggles with his fried chicken competition, which becomes no more better when the girls intrude upon McRonald but comes up with the idea to integrate the restaurant with the ongoing festivities by letting patrons hang wishes on bamboo plants and offering a free drink. Suzuno notices a purple aura above the crowd and becomes suspicious of Sadao's intentions. And the one thing I loved about this episode was how Ashia 
pretty much like he nailed the story between Emmy and Sadao, but used that construction company metaphor. Yeah, that was really good. <laughs> but and then the uh, who is it? Uh, the coworker calls out like, "How can all of this have been going on if you're both like 19 or whatever?" Because <laughs> that's a typical thing in anime too. Like a lot of these characters are just are like really young. Right? Yeah. Um, and so for for them to be like these um, giants in like the construction industry was just was just funny. Episode 10, the devil and the hero take a break from the daily routine. In an obligatory beach episode, Sadao is sent to Fushima Park to help out their local McDonald's branch during a fair. Urushihara tells him that he can harvest magic off people's fear at the fair's haunted house, and Suzuno catches on and relays the info to Emi. Chiho the large-breasted invites Emi to the fair, who invites Suzuno out of caution. Chiho tries to win over Sadao with her anime titties, but he is oblivious to her actions. The girls enjoy the rest of the fair and share their fears and feelings about reptiles. Suzuno almost slips up about her onto Eastland ties in the process until Emmy stops her. A circus monkey, also named Sadao, accidentally releases some crocodiles from the reptile exhibit. Chaos and confusion ensue until Sadao uses the visitor's fear to cast a spell on the crocodiles, leaving Suzuno to question, much like Emmy previously did, why the devil would want to save him humans. As the girls head home, Suzuno catches a glimpse of a white-winged being watching them in the distance. Episode 11, the hero stays true to her convictions as she suffers from food poisoning and diarrhea while Mickey the Landlord sends the demon Duang gang some Hawaiian goods to sell at a bazaar. A flashback reveals Suzuno as a church hitman, hit woman, to kill the treasonous members of the Allied Knight Order. The girls help the demon Duang gang move the merch to the shopping district. Afterwards, Suzuno meets with a hooded figure about her mission to kill Sadao, which she is now conflicted about. She reveals her true intentions to Chiho the Large-Breasted, who tearfully implores her not to kill Sadao because of his kindness. Emmy echoes this sentiment, wanting to fight for a world where everyone, good or bad, can live in peace, which enrages Suzuno and causes her to storm off. Emmy and Chiho walk home and are attacked by the masked man with a scythe, which turns out to be Discount James, whose real identity is the fallen angel Sariel. He overpowers Emmy and Suzuno, subdues Chiho, and Sadao finds out what, about what's going on and tasks Urushihara with tracking down their location to City Hall. Meanwhile, Discount Pixis regains consciousness in a nearby hospital. So this episode, I thought was interesting because it gave Suzuno more depth. Um, she came in and I was like, okay, she's going to be just a harem character. Then obviously they squashed that. Mm. And then they revealed that she's from Entei Isla. And I was like, okay, she's just a plot device. And then they squashed that by giving us a full-blown backstory and, and making her more compelling. Um, because I, I was like, why? Like, why is she here? Like, when things are done just for the sake of doing them versus, like, actually offering something great to the story and to the show, I... I get very suspicious and I, I usually am not really bought into that. So they definitely changed my tune about this character by giving her a well thought out and, and um, deep backstory. Um, and it, I think it, it also kind of shows you that Sadao isn't what you expect because even somebody who, uh, who's gone through what she's gone through basically because of the church and their war with Sadao that, um, that, you know, he there's more to him and that maybe second chances are okay. And now that I think about it, if you put those three characters on a spectrum, like you have Emmy, um, I would say Emmy's obviously like on the good side, but she's questioning good. Um, Sadao's on the like bad side, but he turns out to be good the more that you see his actions. And then you have Suzuno, who's kind of the middle where she's touted to be a good guy, but she's doing like these very hush hush like terrible things uh, all in the name of the church yeah so she's almost like a wolfwood in this sense 
Um, so I think it's it's nice that the show has these dimensions with these three characters, because um, then you you can see like what's supposed to be like inherently good, what's supposed to be inherently bad, and then the gray that comes in between. Yeah, and one thing too that that I didn't like so much about this this uh, developed backstory is not so much with the character herself, so no, but more so with the, the cliche concept of the church being the actual bad guys. Um, yeah. that it's always like that cliche is always the government is the actual bad guy or the church is the actual bad guy. That's, you see that all the time and everything, even in other anime, like the rising of shield hero, like, um, attack on Titan, etc. Mm-hmm. Uh, even Trigun to a certain degree, like that. I, I was kind of bored by that, that idea again, like this is a very simple show. So I was like, okay, I'll accept it, whatever. But after a while that, that whole cliche in storytelling just gets kind of old, like. And you can call it from a mile away because it's been done so so often. So to see them go down that same path, I was like, okay. But it's fine. I guess I accept it more in this show because they're focusing less um, on the Ente Isla backstory and more on the comedy and, and the you know what's happening in, in Japan. But it is what it is. See, I'm kind of on the other end where maybe it's because I haven't watched a lot of anime like this. But I, I thought that the church being corrupt was was intriguing and maybe it's just because like you know we i looked at it more in the lens of like the the real church like the catholic church um in the real world where yeah like it's touted to be like the almost like the all-knowing um entity when it comes to morality and religion but it has like this very bloody history um that kind of puts their morals into question so I was looking at more in that lens where I found it very very interesting that it it has or this world kind of has its own church and it has that those kinds of faults. But maybe it, it's not that I watch many isekai or other fantasy anime. Um, no, I, I agree. I think it's it's an interesting plot point, I guess. But yeah, when you see it so many times over, mm-hmm. you you hope to see something slightly different. Um, but again, like maybe it's just the fact that the show is, is more simplistic that they needed some needed to fall back on something a little more common. Um, I do predict though that that plot probably play, plays into the war with with the demons that maybe somehow and again I'm guessing because it's it's already a kind of a cliche setup that you know the church convinced all these people that the devil was bad based on mm. these stories that they've told for for centuries when in reality Sadao didn't want any, any of this but now he he feels the need to defend himself or his demon brethren or whatever you know something like that where you know the the church is trying to to make Sadao be the the bad character when in reality he didn't really want to be involved in the first place that's my prediction anyway so We'll see. Oh, yeah, I think it's a pretty valid prediction. Um, and I, there's a point I want to make. We can talk about it after after this very long synopsis. But um, episode 12, the penultimate episode, the devil carries out his duties. Ashia, who is at the same hospital as Discount Pixis, notices an unconscious police officer in the hallway and is violently, violently knocked out by the bald baddie. He discovers the address of the Devil's Castle and teams up once again with Lucifer. Atop City Hall, Discount James begins torturing Amelia in order to obtain her better half-sword. Sadao arrives and destroys the Angel's Barrier on the ground below, but faces off against Suzuno and her Harley Quinn mallet. He reveals that he knew who she was all along, and the quote-unquote Devil runs off to save his friends, while Suzuno realizes that it is she who is the Devil of the situation by abandoning her friends. 
Discount James starts showing his pervy nature, while Emmy swears that Sadal will save her and Chiho because of his natural instinct to protect his workers. Discount Pixis uses Emmy's magic energy drink to enlarge the moon, which enhances Discount James's power and throws Tokyo into a mass panic. This in turn gives Sadao a magic boost to become Satanful Calling to properly go one-on-one -on -one against Discount James. Suzuno changes allegiances, Lucifer double-crosses Discount Pixis, and Satanful Calling emerges victorious over Discount James. This was another really great episode. I just like seeing, again, because this, this episode breaks from the norm that we've seen in this show, and it shows you, like, here's here's real conflict, not, like, you know, something ha bad happening at the McDonald's restaurant, but, like, mm -hmm. real conflict that ties back to the backstory and shows the abilities and and, um, and what these characters are supposed to innately be like. Uh, so I, I enjoyed this, and I thought it was a great kind of climax to the story. Um, and... I one part I really really liked about so there were several parts about this episode that I loved and I love that they have such a a good approach to infusing humor into all situations in this show. But when I can't even remember really what it was, but just something along the lines of like Emmy commenting, she's like, "There's panic going on down, down there, isn't there?" Like just kind of like like throwing <laughs> it out there, like he transformed. There, there's shit going on downstairs, isn't there? Like she just like called it out. She's like, "Oh my god," and rolls her eyes, and it was just so funny because it breaks you out of that like intense situation and and just kind of makes her feel like such a human character yeah i think that the show just does a great job at breaking up those really serious moments and just looking at it in a realistic perspective like you said um and yeah this episode like you would expect this to be almost like a almost like a series finale just with the way or like with the conflict that's going on and um Sadal facing off against sariel and i i just thought it was Interesting that you see this in the second to last episode, um, which reminds me of uh, Jojo Part 5. Uh, not to go too much into detail there, but it was kind of like a similar um, layout where something big happens um, in an episode that's not the very end. Um, but I like the choice here because the last episode is still a very good episode. And to go into the synopsis for episode 13... The devil and the hero do some honest hard work. In this epilogue-like episode, Chiho wakes up from a nightmare in which Satan leaves her to go back to Ente Isla. Sadao confirms the next day that he does still does not have enough power to return since he used it to repair the city from the previous night's battle of biblical proportions. They discover that Discount James ended up in McGronald from the portal that Sadao had thrown him through because of the magical bamboo set up outside the restaurant. Discount James tries to woo over Sadao's manager, Mayumi, to no avail. Emmy also has a strange dream in which Satan conquers Sasazuka, and after finding out Ashia has requested time off from his best housewife duties, she enlists Emeralda to investigate. On top of that, numerous boxes are being delivered to the devil's apartment, and Sadao asks Mayumi for a shift change without telling Chiho the large-breasted why. The two girls find out that Ashia took a job to be part of a sleazy marketing scam, where Urushihara was tricked into buying useless items. Sadao catches word, and he and Emi visit the manager to demand a refund. After he refuses, they seek legal advice to finally make the stand user, excuse me, manager acquiesce. Asiya and Sadao celebrate their success by going out to eat katsudun, and all live happily ever after. In a post-credit scene, as a callback to the first episode, Emi gives Sadao a new umbrella in the pouring rain as a replacement for the one he lent her, and we, as non-manga readers, are left to wonder what could have been. They're going to ship them. Like, okay, my <laughs> that's my prediction. You know I love talking about ships. 
I feel like this whole thing at the end of it, whatever happens in the manga, I don't know. Like mm-hmm. they're probably gonna ship them at the end. At least that's I think that's what the big speculation is. Like that was such a flirty end scene. I think part of it was to say like, hey, they're gonna end up being allies. But it was mm-hmm. like a little more flirtatious than that. So that's that's I won't say I won't go into too much detail about it. But that's my my thought is they're gonna ship Amelia uh, and and Sadao. Oh no, for sure. Like as much as she keeps pushing back, like it's clear that they're going to be the end game couple. Which I think is interesting because mm-hmm. I know I, I, I said I was gonna I was not gonna say more of it, but let me just drop this. It's it'll be interesting because it's literally an angel and a devil getting together. Angels like and demons. that'll to your point subvert real expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that it'll it'll be what it what it is, and hopefully we get a season two so we can learn all about it. And just one more about that, because I know I've said it several times now that I hope another season is, is dropped, as I think a lot of people in this fandom really hope for. Um, but my my gut feeling is that this was intended to be just a large promotion mm-hmm. for people to read the light novel and the manga, which happens sometimes. Like, Domestic Girlfriend was a seeming hot, seeming hot pile of garbage. <laughs> But this whole point, like they didn't, they didn't try too hard because the whole point of it was just to get people to read the manga, um, which apparently the manga was way better than the anime. So I'm like, I'm really holding out hope that even if that was the original intent, intent with this first season, that they'll realize the hype around the show, and again, especially because of the current isekai wave, they'll decide to do a season two. Um, so yeah, I don't know. We'll see. So now that we've run through all the episodes in the show. What is your general or overall take, or what are your takeaways from The Devil is a Part-Timer? Um, kind of going back to what I said in the beginning, it's a simple show. Like, it's a very almost simple fantasy plot, but then throwing those, again, throwing those characters into a new situation, there's a lot of comedic storylines that can come out of that. And while it does that, obviously, it, it makes sure to keep the plot moving with why... Like, the devil needs to return down to Isla, but then you're also introduced to, like, another theme of subverting expectations where you question, like, is the devil who he really is? And even though it has that, like, there aren't a lot of groundbreaking themes in the show. Like, it's I think the purpose of it is just for the reader, or not the reader, but the viewer to just enjoy it and just to really revel in the, the sitcom-like atmosphere. But I think it does bring up a good discussion about, um, again, what is good, versus what is evil um and we touched upon this before and i don't think the conflict is so much like the good and evil part of it but i think what it is questioning is kind of like the concept of free will and i think that's what makes the devil more interesting than just being an evil person yeah um because i don't think he's as weird as this sounds like i don't think Sadao as the devil is inherently evil what evil about him is just that he chooses free will because um, you know like with religion like we, we were exposed to like doctrine and dogma where it's requiring people to um, adhere to like a strict set of beliefs but like Sadao in this case like he's willingly choosing to stay in earth or like on earth for a while because I know he's, he mentioned at the beginning of the series like he wants to conquer earth and then move on to Isla um but for not like even though he has that motive, like you still see him doing things that you would perceive as like inherently good. And I think he even says I have a quote here where he says something during 
I forgot which episode, but he says something like, it makes me realize, or we are always in control and that even sometimes things can happen to us. We can still choose and decide what we want to do after those things have happened. It's my favorite thing about being a human being. So that concept of choice, I think, is is the recurring theme here. Because obviously, like, Emmy, even though she has the mission to eliminate the devil, like, she chooses not to. Cause yeah, and same with Susan, though. Right. Um, so again, it's not something that the, the series, like, pushes in your face. Um, but it's, it's a theme that I think kind of breaks up that whole concept of good versus evil and, you know, finding, like, gray morality or things like that. The other thing I like about the show is just, again, it takes very mundane situations and then kind of puts them in an overly serious tone. We've already mentioned a couple examples with, you know, Sadao and Ashia analyzing the Katsudon. Um, and I remember there's, like, they have a couple quarrels over their financial budget. Um, and obviously, like, Ashia being the best housewife is, like, yeah. scolding um, Sadao. He's a great character, by the way. Like, Alciel uh, against, like, Sadao. Not, like, literally head-to-head, but just his character, <laughs> character dynamic against... Like played off of Sadao's character dynamic is just fantastic, and the fact that he stays true to being his his loyal servant, mm. like no matter what the situation, is just wonderful. It's it's so hilarious. Yeah, I think he could compete with Speedwagon and being best wife. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, like there's other examples where like Sadao names his bike like Dulahan, as if it was like his noble, like trusted steed. Um, and then I think they were both at a restaurant and the way that the scene is first depicted is like, it seems like Sadao is about to kill a sacrifice and like there's flames around him, but it turns out they're like, it's just a grill at a, at a restaurant that they're eating at. Um, kind of remind me of like, there's a scene in The Last Jedi where you see like, it's, it looks like a spaceship, but it turns out to be an iron, ironing clothes. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, just things like that where it just makes something that looks very dull in real life just larger than life um and obviously like there's a lot of tongue-in-cheek humor that makes fun of anime cliches like again the, the police officers believing that Sadao and Ashia are cosplayers um I think in his fight with Oba he started calling out like b-movie villain tropes about the way that Oba was acting um and they start fighting, he and Alcel start fighting about <laughs> why he shouldn't be buying movies on their dime. Yeah, and then even as Alcel is dying, like, he, he has the chest wound, and you think he's, like, that's it for him. His his last, what you think are his last words is, use a coupon to, to yeah, watch if, a movie. Yeah, you have to watch a movie, at least <laughs> find like, a coupon or discount code. It's so like, funny. Yeah, it's like, you'd think he had, he'd have nobler last words, but he chooses that. Um, and my other favorite line from last year, this is an aside, is when he he's, he says, may the tides of war be with you to Sadao. And Sadao's just like, chill out, I'm just going to work. Yeah. <laughs> it's like so, so funny. Um, but yeah, it, it's just the show calling out its own absurdity. And I just enjoyed that so much. It, again, it makes everything very lighthearted, despite this being like, basically angels and demons fighting against each other yeah they they approach the comedy so well in the show i you may we're planning to to mention this but when there's that one part where um they're all at the what are they called the devil's cave or whatever devil's castle get down the devil's castle 
and the doors open for some reason. I think Chiho had just left because um, she she saw Amelia and Sadao like talking private privately. And LCL's in the doorway, and then the the landlady comes up from behind him, and, it, and like, it's so subtle, it's so quick, but, like, she comes out of nowhere and scares the shit out of LCL, and he screams and, like, makes this horrific face, and they just cut to it for, like, a split second, and you hear him scream, and, like, everyone else is totally unfazed by it, but it was that small, like, drop of comedy that was perfectly timed, it was the the, the, the perfect, like, amount of, of time spent on that shot, that you were just like, wait, what? And you have to go back and watch it again because it is just so funny. I think what makes it even funnier is that the the landlord, like she's still saying whatever she's saying, but Asiel just screams as she's talking. Yeah, like, and she, she's unfaithful. They just they keep going. Like, <laughs> it's just, oh my God, the show is so good. Yeah. It's like, so good. It's like, yeah, it's a very subtle thing to do, but just the way that it was executed, like it, like she could have paused had him scream yeah and then go which would have still been funny but the fact that or even acknowledge that he screamed yeah <laughs> just the fact that he screamed as she was talking <laughs> like, or we, we just kept rewinding that part just because it was so funny to watch it was great um and the last thing i'll say about what i really liked about the show was um sadao's theme which i looked it up and i just started listening it to like 20 times it's called the devil regains his strength um, and you hear it, I think the first time you hear it is, you know, I might be wrong, but when he faces off against Lucifer and like he has that, his final, his final form. Um, but I think just that song is so, it sounds so iconic. It's almost like you say run in my hero or all might's theme. Um, or even like the themes for each Jojo and Jojo's bizarre adventure. Yeah. Um, it's very distinct and I think it has a yeah. unique blend of rock and like, like classical music or like yeah that middle eastern because you hear like sitar yeah one part yeah at one one point it has that too yeah it's a very unique unique theme song for sure Mm -hmm. other than that like the only things i don't like about the the show again the whole language thing like if you're not gonna if you're only gonna use the language for like five minutes total like just have them speak japanese like we don't (laughs) and we like we know it's like in a different dimension or whatever but like, it's fine if we could just hear them speak Japanese. Unless they wanted to establish, like, the fish-out-of-water thing in the beginning. Yeah. Um, and I know this is probably something that a lot of people will agree with, is just Chiho as a character yeah. is annoying as fuck. Well, that that was my thing that I wanted to to say, mm-hmm. like, as my wrap-up thing, my, my last thought on the show, is the characters are phenomenal. Sadao, phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Alciel, hilarious. Lucifer, Best hikigomori ever. Um, Emilia, awesome tsundere that is not annoying and that you you really feel compelled about. Um, Like, everyone is just so good in the show. Even the minor characters are, like, so good. But Chiho is just absolutely useless. And, like, I want to like her because she's a nice character, a nice person, and she has good intent. But it's just, like, I... I don't get her point. So she offers nothing to the mm. plot or to the characters other than maybe starting to this harem thing, but never actually unfolds to that. Um, it would have been cool to discover more about Ente Isla and about their their powers and, and this other reality through her eyes, but that doesn't even happen. We know plenty about Ente Isla outside of Chiho, Chiho's whole being. 
Or it would have been cool if there was a larger arc where she was used as, it probably would have felt like a plot device, but mm-hmm. used as, you know, something to drive the story forward. Like, not only did she get captured by Discount James, but, like, actually gets transported to Ente Isla and, like, everyone needs to go save her and, and, mm-hmm. and, you know, she does something heroic to try and help the situation. Just, like, something to give her a point in this, this show. But that never happens. And I think it's pretty common among the fandom from what I was briefly reading that there a lot of people don't understand her point. They don't like her. Like, yeah, she's a sweet per- person, a sweet character, but you could do without her. And, and she just doesn't add anything great to the story. I don't, I'm not necessarily saying that, like, she ruined the story for me or the show. Like, I love it, and I'm fine with her being there, but at the, at the end of the day, I question it. I'm like, she's nowhere near at the level of great character that the rest of the, the cast is. And in the beginning of this series, you there are, like, plot threads where you think she's going to be of significance. Like, um, I think it's mentioned that her father is one of the police officers who was um, interrogating Sadao and the Shia and the pilot. And you think that's going to lead somewhere, but it really doesn't. And then there's the whole thing about how she's able to, like, she can hear these voices of whoever is coming in from Ente Isla. And you think that's all, that's supposed to be significant. It's like, why is she hearing this? But then they kind of explain it, and then let's just throw it away. Um, so, yeah, like you said, she like she really doesn't bring anything to the table. She doesn't even offer any conflict when it comes to the love interest or the love triangle. Because, mm-hmm. again, like, Sadao is not interested, clearly. He sees her completely, like, aromantically. It's like a comrade. Yeah, and then with Amelia, she doesn't feel threatened by Chiho because she's adamant that she doesn't have feelings. Although, again, we all know they're probably going to get shipped at the end. Um, right now, she's adamant that she doesn't have feelings and does not see Chiho as a threat at all and even goes so far as to support Chiho's, you know, interest in Sadao to a certain degree. I know she's, she warns her about Sadao and all that, but she's there as, as a, a friend and, and as a support system. So it's just like, what is her point? I, I don't understand. I, I'm fine if she's in the show, whatever, she's there. Could have done without her, but I'm not totally upset that she's there. I just, I'm so in this middle ground about her. I think she's just there to fill, like, the anime titty quota. Because, yeah. like, you can have, like you said, you have the Sundari, um with Emmy, and then whatever, Suzuno is the Kundere, and then you have, uh, I don't know. You have the fan service, which yeah, is Chiho. <laughs> yeah. Um, which, <laughs> the one thing I liked is that there was a scene where, like, Emmy is looking at Chiho's breasts. <laughs> like she's comparing sizes. Oh yeah, right? or when when she first meets Susano and Susano turns around and she looks at her chest and she's like, "Okay, good." Like <laughs> she was, she felt less threatened with Susano. Yeah. And, and <laughs> Again, calling out those those typical anime tropes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, the one thing where I was like, with Chiho, where I was like, this character is just annoying, is when they're at the fair. And she's blatantly, like, holding her breasts out. Yeah, and kind of, like, wiggling them around. And she's like, what do you think? And he's like, oh, about the restaurant? I think this one's pretty nice. And I was like, that is so good. Yeah. Maybe that's her point. Maybe it's it's to show that, like, the fan service is not always necessary and the, the right. main character is not always going to be attracted to that or give in to that. Yeah, it's not what matters on the outside. It's what's on the inside. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, other than that, fantastic show. Thought it was hilarious. I'm going to pray every night that there is a season two because I loved it so much. Didn't think I would. And yeah. Well, how many Sentucky fried chickens would you give it out of 10? Um, Ooh, honestly, I'd have to say an 8.5 or or 9. Like, it's not a perfect show, so I'm not going to give it a 10. 
but it is so good for what it is it doesn't try too hard it doesn't try to be something it's not and it's just simple and enjoyable and so fucking funny so i would say you know what i'll give it a nine Nine okay and that's kind of where i gave this to like nine kentucky fried chickens out of ten um just because again it's it seems like your basic typical show but the fact that it's a fish out of water reverse isekai it doesn't want to take itself too seriously and it it knows like how to poke fun at itself and at the genre even as that genre was starting to become more popular um it just makes for a great watch um and i don't think i've laughed this much like in an anime as probably like jojo was the only other one but like this one it only was 13 episodes and every every episode i found myself laughing at something so yeah definitely a must watch it is it is a must watch and a rewatch by the way <laughs> oh yeah because yeah 13 episodes lots lot goes on um but i think just those the comedic timing of of each character and each scene is is what makes it worth it a lot and that about wraps it up, folks, with Strictly Anime Episode 11 for The Devil is a Part-Timer. We want to thank you all for tuning in, and a special thank you to Super Newt Ensemble for the jingle that you hear at the beginning and end of this podcast. And as we are in the middle of this pandemic, as always, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay weeb. <laughs> Get out of here. Stop. Joe.